chameleon. She crawls into people's heads, and she knows what it is they need and what it is they want. And then she strives to give that to them so she can get what she needs and wants. I am the author of the Vanessa Michael Monroe series. This is my crazy podcast that doesn't have a name yet, where me and my good friend Steve Campbell are talking about all things books related, and we're specifically talking about things in regards to the latest book in the Vanessa Michael Monroe series, The Mask, which will be coming out shortly, and we hope you're entertained. So this is a series of uh, podcasts that that, that are leading up initially to the release of The Mask. And then we'll be doing more afterwards, hopefully. But hopefully, yeah. uh, so we've been talking about specific things. If if this is your first episode, go back and listen to the first two. We've talked about research. We've talked about languages. And in this one, if you read the books, if you've already read the books, you know that Vanessa Michael Monroe, in the books, she's a woman, but she sometimes dresses as a man for very specific reasons and operates as a man. And we're going to get into that today. So let's just get started with why. Why Why did you uh, create a character that's so gender-bending, Taylor? Reality. <laughs> I know, it's bizarre. Um, when I first started with this series, um, I, I was writing about Equatorial Guinea. The first book in the series takes place in Africa. It's a small little country that I lived in for two years. It was a land that time forgot. And I've spent a lot of time living and working in the developing countries. And we're pretty, I guess you could say, progressive here and in Europe, in, in some parts of Europe, in our views towards women and the equality of women. But we still have a long way to go. And so you can imagine if we still are dealing with these issues, what it's like in some of these developing countries where sometimes women don't even have any rights. So here I have this character who is a bit like a female Jason Bourne and or Jack Reacher. Some people refer to her as a female Jack Reacher. And, you know, she's all of the books are international. They're boots on the ground, international thrillers. They take place in somewhat exotic places. And I have this this character who. She's an information broker. She buys and sells and obtains information that other people can't get. And it just didn't make any sense that someone who looked and lived and was openly a woman would be able to have access to what she had access to in these countries. And I knew from personal experience that the only way someone would have that level of access is if they were a man. And so to get what she needs... She often lives and works as a man, and that's how that came to be. And how does she do it? Specifics. You go into it in the books, but I think people who haven't read the books, uh, give us the process. Well, Vanessa Michael Monroe, and she goes as Michael. She's, Vanessa was almost a throwaway name. Uh, my publishers made me put it in the book on the cover. Uh, it is, uh, she's, she's tall. And she's somewhat androgynous. She's not big and busty. And she's angular and lean. And so, as as it was put in one book, uh, nature, in giving her other gifts, hadn't been generous with these ones or something <laughs> along those lines. I remember um, that line. <laughs> and and so, it never been particularly difficult for her to conceal her, her gender when switching, you know. And Monroe is... Uh, 
very aware of human psychology, and she knows that so much of what we see is fortified by the other senses. And what we see is what our brains tell us that we see. So when mannerisms and sense and actions say that this person in front of you is a man, then your brain believes that it's a man. And, you know, doing things like dressing in guy clothes and cutting her hair are just uh, crutches that make it easier for people to accept the, the persona that she presents to them, but really it's the psychology behind it that allows her to be and do what she needs to be. And in normal life, when she's not off on a mission or collecting information, in normal life, she lives, dresses, everything as a woman? It depends. Uh, I think it depends on where she is. Uh, the fourth book, for example, The Catch, which opens in Djibouti, which is... Now, we're not going to call The Catch normal life, are we? No, but that's normal <laughs> I'm, life I'm for thinking her, normal right? life in Dallas. Well, I but, mean, how often is she back, you know, living a normal life? That's part of her problem is that she can't. Right. She's so kind of messed up inside. She wants it. Mm -hmm. But every time she gets into, norm, quote, unquote, normal life, she starts to go nuts and, and stir crazy and does really dangerous things and tries to get herself killed. So, you know, when, it, when the catch opens in Djibouti, she's just as a man because that's just more convenient where she is. But when she's in, in Japan in the mask, she starts off being feminine, but then she has a really hard time finding clothes that fit her. Because like we talked about in our, our first little podcast of how it was for me when I was growing up there, that she's tall. They, they're, she, the fashion industry, they're very robust fashion industry, but it's not designed for women built like her. So, and then she just resorts to wearing guy clothes because it's just easier than having to buy things on the internet and have it shipped to her, you know, international shipping and whatnot. So I think it really depends on where she is and what's going on. And it's all situational. She doesn't care. She's, she's a woman, she's feminine, but she knows that it's not the clothes that make her what she is. They're just a construct. They're just a costume, no matter what she's doing. But in the mask, she's in Japan. So why would she need to do that in a developed country like Japan? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, in a lot of people think of Japan as a very modern country, and it is, but not when it comes to their uh, treatment of women. Women are still, second, in many cases, second-class citizens. Uh, they're very far behind, much like a, a developed country. And in, in the scenario that takes place in The Mask, uh, uh, Monroe is in Japan as a, she's just there as a visitor. Uh, her, her lover, Miles Bradford, is working there as a um, contractor for uh, private security for a company that has some very high-tech uh, develop, uh, products under development, and they're trying to protect them from, from industrial espionage. And so he gets arrested for murder, and Monroe ends up having to go into the company as a subcontractor under his company to continue the work that he was doing and, and figure out what happened to him. And so, again, we face the issue of would a woman working in this insular, male-dominated society be able to pull off what she pulls off as a woman? And again, the answer is no. So in The Mask, even though it is a modern country that she's working in, she still is finds it necessary to work as a man in order to get done what she needs to get done. 
And, and this ability of hers to, to come across as either a man or a woman is something that makes her unique as a character. In one of the earlier episodes, um, you, you talked about the four things that are consistent in, in all the books with her, and it's uh, androgyny, languages, knives, and... Scars. Scars, that's right. And in, in, in The Mask, it, it's really... It's, Oh, in a lot of the books, it, it's just it's second nature to her. She just dresses and becomes this other person. So it's not like Clark Kent walking into the phone booth and coming out as Superman. It, it's just she puts these clothes on and she becomes the man or the woman. And it's, yes, it's fascinating and she, to me. And she'll do it. She'll do it in reverse. If she needs to be a bimbo, she'll be a bimbo, put on a wig and, you know, fluff herself up. And, and she'll just switch because her identity isn't rooted in the way that she looks. Her identity is rooted in who she is inside her head. And she uses this as a tool, as you mentioned before, and we see it in in all of the different books. When she needs information, she figures out the best way to get it, the best approach, um, what would work best with the person that she's that she needs to get the information from, and she becomes the person who can get that information. And it's yeah. it's fascinating. And it starts from the very beginning of the first book, and as you said, it's just a common theme throughout all of the books. She's a chameleon. She will become, she crawls into people's heads and she knows what it is they need and what it is they want. And then she strives to give that to them so she can get what she needs and wants. Now we talked in an earlier podcast when we were talking about language. Um, She speaks a a large number of languages and people have found that to be unbelievable. Uh, I suspect you've had a similar reaction with the ability that she has to switch back and forth between a man and a woman. Is that a true statement? Yes, but less so than with the languages. I think Um, A lot of times, I think what I have seen so far with people who have a hard time believing that she could credibly pass as both a man and a woman is that she's considered good looking. So they don't, those people get hung up on the idea that someone could be a beautiful woman and pass as a man. And it was a little frustrating for me because I didn't, like, how do you argue with someone like that and say, yes, it's possible? Well, you don't argue with them, for starters, because people are going to believe what they want to believe. But then I found Elliot Saylor's, who is a woman, a beautiful woman who models as a man. And if you see her as a man, you think, no way is this ever going to be a beautiful woman. But she is. (laughs) I wish, and I can't because, you know, it's bad form as an author and I have to smack myself on the hand and say, no, don't do it. But how I wish I could just go post those links on every single comment that says, this is impossible. There's no way that someone could be hot and also manly. I'm like, oh yeah, there is. All right. So for people who can do their own linking, how would one look up Elliot Sailors? How do you, how do you spell Sailors? Um, I, I think you just have to Google it, but she spells her name with two T's, Elliot with two T's and then Sailors like multiple men on a ship. Okay. All right. So one question that comes up when we're talking about this, and and you had the need to write someone who could operate as a man, and in a lot of the countries uh, where Monroe is, she operates as a man. Why did you not just create her as a man? Yeah, when I get that question, I just, my jaw just drops, and I look at them like, this is so basic. Do I really need to spell it out for you? Yes, you do. I, I guess people just don't understand. It's like, the very fact that that question is being asked is the whole reason. Like, 
why not? What, what, are, what are they saying with that? That, again, only a man can do this? I, I don't even know if they realize how put down to a woman it is. It's like, instead of going to the effort of writing about a woman who goes to the effort to do what only men can do, they're basically saying, they're basically reinforcing the whole reason that I had to write a character like that to begin with. <laughs> So I'm just like, well, why not? I I have always, um, I because I grew up in a very male-dominated uh, environment, being born and raised in a religious cult. Uh, women, we were we were not really second-class citizens, but we were second-class citizens. There's certain things we just couldn't do, and women were expected to um, be less than men and take a back seat in certain things. And we did have women leaders, but they were still women. They weren't men. And I remember from being such a young age, rebelling against that and thinking, why are there things that I can or can't do just because the other sperm won? <laughs> you know, it just didn't make any sense to me. To me, people are people and who they are as people isn't determined by the clothes that they wear or how long their hair is or, you know, what their their gender is. It's who they are as people. And and that I think when when there are those who would forbid or be repulsed by or afraid of women, and in this case we're talking about women because that's the subject, um, it, it is, I don't understand why. Um, and it's, it's a very, very uh, difficult topic to get into because there's so much baggage that comes with it, you know. But I, I don't consider myself, um, this is not a feminist issue, it's not a... Um, it's not an issue at all. It's just a humanity issue. It's it's people are people. Let's just accept them for who they are and stop throwing up roadblocks in their way to to meet their full potential. So it just baffled me that it would even be a question of, well, why don't you just write a male character instead of going through all this hassle? And I'm like, well, because we'd have to go through this hassle in real life. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> and from a reader perspective, why write another tough guy male character. I mean, there are a zillion of them. There aren't, there are no other Vanessa Michael Monroe's. But see, and see, that's the thing is that I didn't know that when I started writing. It's not like I set out to create a character that had no peers. I just created a character that made sense to me. And in my mind, women like Monroe are completely possible. It's just, there are sacrifices to be made. Monroe will never have kids. She'll probably never have a happy life. So there's, there's no perfect in it, but it's completely possible. And then when I started getting all this, not all this, because it wasn't a lot, but I started seeing some people saying, oh, it's just impossible. I, I started doing more research into it. And in fact, there are very famous women throughout history who have lived their entire lives as men. And people didn't even know that they were men until they died. And we're talking about like on sailing ships in the 1800s where it's not like they were known for having a lot of privacy. So how they pulled that off, I don't know, but they did. So much so that one of the women uh, had to reveal herself uh, to prove she was a woman because she was about to get press-ganged onto another ship. I don't know what that means. Um, in, in that time period, 
they would have um, like gangs roaming the streets and they would just catch boys oh, and, okay. and men and they would press them into service onto a ship. And then if you tried to get away, you that would be considered mutiny and you could get, you know, killed, flogged, etc. So over the course of these first three podcasts, we've talked about languages, we've talked about the style of dress, and we've talked about, what was the other Research. thing? We Research. Research. And so in the next episode, we're going to start talking about the mask, which is coming out on June 30th. So yes. it, it, it's coming out soon. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we've got some other things to talk about in, in upcoming episodes. But for people who are curious enough to learn more about the mask, what's the best way for them to do that? Come to my website. Um, I have all the books there if you're interested in uh, the locations. The characters, the if you're interested in me as a person, come to my website. Uh, the books are all there, but I also have a link if you want to interact with me individually. There's a connect with me button there, and um, I would love it if you did. And the website is taylorstevensbooks.com. Yes. Now, if you're listening on iTunes, and many of you may be, and whether that's iTunes on your computer or the podcast app on your iPhone, there's a way that you can leave a review or give a rating. And if you do that, if you give us a positive rating or leave a nice review, it will help other people find the show. It's, it's a discoverability thing. The more people that say, hey, we like this, the more people that download it, the more it's exposed to other listeners. So if you like what we're doing, give us a rating or a review on iTunes tunes and we'll be forever grateful to you right yes <laughs> <laughs> indeed <laughs> all right we'll talk to you next week <laughs>